0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, everybody, it is Wednesday night, time for American Wine. My name is Alex. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, winter has arrived in Michigan about a month early, and uh, I'm pretty upset about it. Um, but what are you going to do? You know, it's just uh, pure Michigan, I suppose. Anyway, uh, my guest tonight, uh, comedian Ken Evans. Ken, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. I'm
1: doing great. It didn't snow on the way here, so I'm a happy cat.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was very cold, and but I didn't see any ice. It was relatively dry. So that's really uh,
1: look closely into my nose. Those are like icicles were <laughs> forming up there. Um.
0: So uh, before we I begin the interview proper, uh, I, just a little background. I know you because I worked for you uh, at a haunted house uh, back in. When I was in college, and then also just this past October, I, I, I my schedule finally shifted again to where I was able to do it uh, after over a decade.
1: Yeah, so, we're, and it was great to have you out because you were always one of our better actors. So
0: yeah, it was a blast, man. It was a blast. It was. I, I was. Uh, it was, it was a trip down memory lane, to be honest with you. Like, that was the... As you
1: know, it's all actor-driven, so... Yeah, It's not yeah. like any other haunted house around. It's yeah. all... Based, it's, it's like a play.
0: It's mostly... Exactly. It's mostly skits, is what yeah, it is. It's exactly. more, more skits than, than jumps and things Which like that. Which
1: is based on my humor. A matter of fact, you did a part that was... A funny part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah, a lot of people were like, we like you because you seem like the most out of place. And just for reference, I was an evil Colonel Sanders. So that was, that is not something you expect to see in a haunted no, house. No,
1: but you see so many Colonel Sanders that change every month or every three months. Yeah. I thought it'd be funny to have one that was just crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it went over really well. People,
0: yeah. everybody, if they recognize me as soon as they walk into the room, and then when I confirmed it, they all got a laugh so
1: yeah and you were evil and you you killed a couple girls <laughs> yeah <and> then, <laughs> yeah so it,
0: it included, I killed Jared from subway so well a, a girl that I said was Jared from subway yeah, so yeah.
1: so it was funny so and matter of fact people appreciated that we got a write up from a guy who goes around the country and uh you know he said it was one of the most original ones he'd ever seen and he liked the humor that we did some humor in it too
0: a oh, good deal I did not know that that's a, yeah you also look have done...
1: it up I'll, after the show I'll show you
0: okay cool um so I always begin these interviews with uh, every question with the uh, same question uh, every time and that question is uh, where were you born?
1: I was born in Chicago.
0: Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. And uh did you grow up in Chicago? I did. And tell me about your childhood, what were you what were you into?
1: Um I was a skinny little kid but uh I, I was very athletic. So I ended up in uh, Pop Warner football, and I was the quarterback on the team. No kidding. Yeah, and we went to the state championship two years in a row, and two years in a row we lost. (laughs) We still went, though. I still (laughs) went, yeah. And that was the first time I got to see kids from all over the city um, from all different backgrounds. So that was enlightening because I came from a mostly all-white suburb, all-white high school and stuff eventually. But these kids were— some of the most talented athletes in the state of Illinois, As a matter of fact, when several went on to be state champions, and they were great friends of mine mm-hmm. um throughout the years and and so that was interesting and just to mix those kids and have a great time and you know have such a great team or a couple great teams so yeah well what so two questions what what part of Chicago was it again? I was in the western suburbs, which was uh, Lions Township, okay.
0: And then, uh, what years was that high school for you when you played football, or was it? Uh... Uh, it
1: was, uh, yeah, eighth grade and freshman year of high school.
0: Okay, and you were quarterback, huh?
1: But you didn't yeah. you didn't do it after freshman year. No, this wasn't in high school. This was Pop Warner. So oh. I went out for high school football, but I was real fast. I was the fastest kid in the high school. Yeah, um, I had a couple records there, and I went. Uh, I was all state. So, uh, I didn't. I went out as a wide receiver, but I was very small mm-hmm. and uh so then I kind of quit because I didn't really like the coach and uh I was also good at basketball and track and so I went and participated in track and then also I was on the basketball team oh,
0: okay so you you were an athlete then was there any like professional ambition for that for that or
1: uh i mean i love i yeah sure anybody mm-hmm. wants everybody growing up wants to be you know. Uh, on a sports team in Chicago, and that was, but I was so small. Uh-huh. Uh, my parents put me in the school too early. Mm-hmm. They when, to give you an example, I I ran a, a, a broke a record. Well, all right, sophomore. Year, this one kid broke the the record at high school for the two hundred m- meters. He was older than me, and I was a junior. Mm-hmm. So, and I ran faster than him. <laughs> so I should have been. In his class, but my parents thought they were doing me a favor by putting me in early so I could graduate ahead of the schedule. Uh, okay. But that doesn't help out when you're an athlete, yeah, <laughs> yeah. because everybody's bigger than you. Yes, yeah, yes. And,
0: so, uh, so your parents put you in to school at the very at like kindergarten a year early. Yeah, uh, really. Yeah. And I was
1: right on the cusp, and they could have waited, and they decided to go with going early. But because of that, that formed who I was too, because I also was bullied. Um, when I was in in grade school and stuff, and that made me who I was too, <laughs> as far as comedy and sticking up for myself and 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 all those things would have happened. I think if they would have just held me back the one year you know right, and I'd have been like everybody else
0: um What did your parents do
1: for a living? Uh, my dad worked at r R Donnelly, the biggest building in America oh. Uh, it was a printing place, and they actually printed all the magazines pretty much from around the world, Time Magazine, Life Magazine, Sports Illustrated, Playboy, you name it. They're all printed in that one building. And uh, square footage-wise, it was the biggest building in America. Okay. And I used to go work downtown in the summers of my dad when I was in high school. And what, did, what was uh, his job like? What did he do there? He was in charge of the printing press. Oh, really? So- yeah, so he had to keep it going. Mm-hmm. That, but they had thousands – not thousands, but probably hundreds of them. And so he was just you know, running one that was for that p- specific magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I had – f- my job was feeding the pages in it. But what sucked is I did it from midnight to 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, night shift. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just horrible. Yeah. I,
0: I did night shift for quite a while. I actually didn't mind it. but uh, But, I mean – it takes some adjustment, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's not something I would want to do forever.
1: No, I didn't adjust very well to it. I How didn't long like
0: did you it. do that for?
1: Uh, two summers. Oh, also okay.
0: it was a summer job then. Yeah, so yeah. that's good. That helps when you when there's like light at the end of the tunnel, you know you're not stuck there
1: forever, right? Yeah. But you know, being a kid, you're going, What's well, my summer? You know? Yeah, yeah,
0: that's true. Um well what kind of a student were you besides uh, your athletics? I,
1: you know what? I was just an average student in in high school. But when I went off to college, I uh, had a B-plus average or better.
0: Looks like we have a message from Kate on the phone.
1: Is that my license plate number? Yeah. No. I, I yeah no. There's
0: a the, just so the, the audience isn't confused. There's a there's apparently a car that's blocking the owners. Yeah uh, oh the see I uh, thought
1: it was like a Kia and it was just making like the building look really shitty. <laughs> so they're just asking me to move it. You know? No 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 no
0: the the um yeah I guess somebody is blocking in uh, Dave. <laughs> so um so Dave's Dave needs to leave. So Before, we're trying to figure out.
1: Oh damn well Dave ought to. You know, be like an Animal House, just back that baby up, bam! I do think it. he's.
0: I think he's probably getting to that point. We're going to hear a, a tremendous noise from outside in the next couple of minutes here. Maybe the mics will pick it up. But uh, anyway, so back to you. Um, so uh, you said you were an average student um, in high school. In and, high and school.
1: Then when I went off to college, I ended up becoming a a B plus. I got better. My studies are better. I was a little more focused.
0: Mm-hmm. Why is that? Do you think?
1: I I guess I knew the importance of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it was interesting to me.
0: It finally got interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Uh, where'd you go to college? Then
1: I went to Illinois State.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, where is that in Springfield? Is...
1: Uh, it is in Bloomington-Normal. Bloomington. Normal, Bloomington. Illinois, yeah. Okay. Um. And what did you study? I actually studied uh business. I had a business major, and I had a theater minor. So again, that was kind of shaping who I was going to be as mm-hmm. far as being a comic and stuff. Because theater helped me come out of my shell and do different things loved watching movies growing up my mom loved movies and she got me interested in them and my dad would take me to all the cool movies that he liked and so i loved that growing up too i love being in sports and then i love the movies. Those it's my two two passions i guess
0: well i guess we'll, we'll we'll get into the so when did you first get into comedy then because i mean you said you you saw movies when you were a kid you did some you did you minored in theater in college you'd kind of you, you'd been bullied in, in grade school so yeah. that kind of forces you to develop a sense of humor. Yes. Um, so, uh, like, when did you first... Uh...
1: I know exactly when. Um, my brother, who was uh, at junior college, he had two friends, and he was three years older than me. But they took a liking to me because they thought I was funny and stuff. And and whenever we had pickup football games, I'd always... would be on their teams, and we would win. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that was fast. So uh, they liked me, and I would go hang out at their apartment, They had an apartment. And I always remember uh, they took me the one... Two guys, I guess we consider them hippies. They had hair down past their shoulders. And they smoked pot and, mm. you know, wore the flannel and everything, and just really cool, laid-back people. And so they took me to my first concert, Grand Funk Railroad. Oh. And then I would hang out at the apartment, and the other one, uh, Dave, he ended up introducing me to smoking pot for the first time. Oh, um, boy. Sorry about that, but yeah. <laughs> hey, it's legal now. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So, but he put on this album that uh, I never – realized that they made it was a comedy album it was Richard Pryor oh and it was an underground album you couldn't buy it anywhere you had to go into inner city Chicago and the the name of the album was this nigger's crazy Uh and it was a great album but nobody heard it but he went downtown bought it and we would listen to it and I would get high and then every time I come over there I go put it back on and I just thought it was the funniest thing I mean he was so funny and he didn't catch on till a few years later and became you know a national treasure uh-huh. Well, then when he was caught on, you could buy the albums, and then I bought the albums, and I memorized them, and I loved them. So I was at the fraternity one year, and I I asked him if I could go out at this big party that we had. It rented a hall and had a band, and I said, can I go on stage when the band takes a break, and I want to do some comedy? And everybody knew I was funny. So mm-hmm. they thought, well, that's weird. <laughs> and, and I went up there, but I, I did stuff that I memorized from his album – but it pertained to my life. So I changed – I changed – pertained to my life, events that happened in my life, mm-hmm. but his jokes. And okay. I killed it. And I loved being on stage. I did like 20 minutes. And everybody thought it was the funniest thing. I got compliments. And, and How old were you when you did that? Uh, I was probably 20, 20, 21, 22.
0: So you've been doing this – I Why did it start for, then? That's when oh, I first – Oh, that's when you first uh,
1: – You asked me how I first uh, <laughs> acquisitioned in the comedy. That's how. Now, I didn't do it start until years later. Uh-huh. So my buddy came to live with me in Orlando. I graduated, and he said, hey, there's a, a competition, uh, funniest person in Orlando, and you could compete. He said, you're always funny. Why don't you go down there? So I says, yeah, why not? So I went down there, and I ended up winning the contest. Uh. But what I did is I did an impression of Robin Williams. Bork and Mindy was popular. So I dressed up like Bork. I had the whole outfit and stuff, and I could do impressions. And so I went on there. That, and I ended up winning. It was a, like a three week contest. I beat professional comics and I'd never been on stage before, but I had this routine where at the end of the show, Mork would always call Orson and report what he did. Like, Mork, na nanu, nanu, Mork on Orson, Mork Orson. Oh, come in your business. Hey, here I am. Ha You know. Uh-huh. And then I described Mork that week he had just gone to a, a gay club and he ended up dancing with a girl who was. Trans- uh, yeah, <laughs> transvestite yeah. But I, I did it in a funny way And then at the end of the routine I had a tape recorder in my pants And I had a whole timed out conversation With Mr. Happy Oh no shit <laughs> yeah. So that's how you funny. closed it out huh? Yeah and, and, oh and, and it God. just killed And then, and so I, I won the contest kind of going away And the grand prize was You got to be the MC At this comedy club Well it wasn't a comedy club It was a, a club that like Saturday Night Live Where they did skits So they just wanted me to go out there and kill time while they went backstage and changed. Well, I ended up becoming really funny. And uh, so then I got more time. And then pretty soon they thought they'd get another audition for other comics. Well, we had some of the greatest comics come work at our club. And it was me, Tom Rhodes, who had his own TV show. Um, Mike, uh, Billy Gardell from Mike and Molly. Mm -hmm. He's one of them. Jim Brewer. (laughs) Oh, no Saturday Live, yeah. These are all this are all the guys in the same club, and Daryl Hammond. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So all, yeah, literally SNL then. Yeah. 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 All of us were at the same club, yeah. and um, matter of fact, well, that was one of the dumbest things I never, do, I didn't do. Is Daryl and Jim went up to New York, mm-hmm. and they were going to audition for Saturday Night Live, and and I did impressions too. And they're like, "Well, you want to come up, you know?" And uh, but I had a girlfriend. And I was kind of working comedy, and I ah, I didn't really have time to think I have a shot. I didn't go with them, and lo and behold, they ended yeah. up getting picked, and rightfully so. Very talented individuals, you know. So, what, if you don't mind me, what what time are we
0: talking about here? When that happened? When you were living in Orlando? Um, said Mork and Mindy, so like I am guessing like late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, something. early eighties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, so why? How'd you end up in Orlando though? Like, why Orlando? Right, well, Chicago? I graduated
1: college, and uh, I had a girlfriend, and she moved to uh, Florida. I was going to move to Fort Lauderdale. And she said, well, if you love me, you'd come down here. And her dad was kind of a, a big wig, and he was uh, in the business field, and he was a consultant. So he says, well, if you're looking for a job, I could probably get you a job, uh, or at least uh, get you in the door. So uh, I says, yeah. And so he ended up getting me the sales job out of Michigan, actually. It was a company, Nap and Vote. Uh. And they were looking for salesmen for the state of Florida. And so I went in there, and you know what got me the job? is I was all state and track, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, he says, you didn't have the best grades and everything. And he says, but I see this. He says, I, "I'm truly, I'm going to take you because you you excelled in a sport that is an individual sport. Really? And he no. says, if you could do that, then he says, I know you can excel as a salesman. So it made sense to me. I thought, well, that was kind of logical. And I, I ended up being salesman of the year for the company, too. So I first moved there. I moved to Fort Lauderdale with my girlfriend and was living in an apartment. She ended up going back to college Right, you know, told yeah. me to leave college yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be with her, and then she went back to the same college I was at, so it kinda of pissed me off. Then she ended up dumping me and and then I moved out of Fort Lauderdale because the company wanted me to be in the center of the state, which was Orlando. Oh, okay.
0: So it wasn't Disney World then that, that drove you to Orlando. No, no. It was the, well, I wasn't <laughs> doing
1: comedy there either. Uh yeah. so I, I did that and then I won that contest and then somebody saw me at the comedy club and they asked me to open for um A popular singer who did "Ice Castles," the song "Ice Castles," Mm. Melissa Manchester. Oh, okay, okay. So i I went and opened for her like two nights, and uh, in front of five thousand people, it was just unbelievable.
0: And so that's actually a pretty damn like meteoric. I mean, I mean, it it, it sounds like it took some time, but I mean, you went from just doing you know modified Richard Pryor jokes to 5,000 people in a relatively short span of time. I mean, exactly. that's, that's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, because
1: it was at the time when comedy was just breaking out, mm-hmm. and and you, you, I made more money back then than I probably do now, and they'd fly me out to L.A. because they were looking for feature acts and stuff at the clubs and put you up at a five-star hotel, and you were treated correctly. It's changed now. There's more comics. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, back then, that was the heyday, and... So yeah, opening for Melissa Manchester it was that was pretty cool. So who who are your
0: influences then besides Richard Pryor? Obviously, uh,
1: the greatest comic I ever saw in was my mentor Richard Jenny. Oh okay,
0: yeah yeah, I see that too. Just in your persona, yeah. Like, yeah you know, people yeah. tell me uh, you know yeah. over the
1: years people say you're like a poor man's Richard Jenny, and I always take it as a compliment. <laughs> we were. I
0: wouldn't have said that, but yeah.
1: But, well, yeah. we were good. We were good friends. You haven't seen me on stage, but. Mm-hmm. I'm based on what he did. He would tell stories of things that happened to him, and and that's what I do, you know. And I got that from him. That's what I, I got it from. But he was brilliant, though. He would just see something. you could see his mind click, and then he could just put it all together. It was like Being watching constructing the jokes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, how did you – so you said he was your mentor, though. Yeah, because he asked for me to work with him a lot of times, so – when I was working with him, you we know, we talk about comedy and stuff, and I got to watch him. And
0: how, how did you meet him? How was How did you work
1: in a comedy club? We got we got booked together, and we kind of hit it off. And which was unusual because he kind of kept to himself. I I never knew this until after he had had uh, passed away. He uh, had schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Now looking back at it, I see that because he was always wary of meeting people after the show, or you know, he's very guarded. Unless you knew him, and I, and I did know him, I and mean, we were friends, so you know, I could call him up at night in L.A. and talk to him, and and did, you know, so. But he was just fantastic. So that was, I thought he was the the funniest person I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, he was. He's, I mean, I back when I, because I, my whole thing with comedy, like I, my first, the first comedy special I ever saw, where I was like, oh man, this is. Interesting is uh, Mitch Hedberg when he did his Comedy Central, and so that I started watching Comedy Central. And Richard Jenny was one of the first ones I remember that yeah, I, could, and he I won, could name.
1: He like, won the Emmy a couple times for best comedy special. Mm-hmm. That's how talented he was. Um,
0: Do you remember like when you first met him? Could you tell that story? Like how you how you guys like when you first had just, this conversation? Or? We were
1: just booked together at the club. I mean, that's how maybe people don't realize how you get booked. It's uh, you go call up an agent, you send him a tape. Or they see you in person. Back then, it was mostly they saw you in person. And so they, after they saw you, they go, oh, okay. They call you back and say, we like what you did. We like to work you. And they go, when, what are your dates? And then you give them the dates you have open. And they go, can you go here for this amount of money? And you go, okay. But you don't know who you're going to work with. And there was three people in the show, an MC, a feature, and a headliner. And so I first worked with Richard. I was the MC, mm-hmm. And uh, he was the headliner. And we just hit it off because we had the same sense of humor and, and, you know, we just – Similar kind of kindred spirits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, then, you know, he would ask for me to work with him again, you know, because he was the headliner so he could do that. So Mm -hmm. So he did when he came uh, around Florida and then when I went out to L.A. And then he also got my first TV show. He was the host of Caroline's Comedy Hour, Mm -hmm. which played on Comedy Central. And he called me up and said, I'd like you to be on my show, so –
0: so what was that like then, and, and when would that have been?
1: Uh, that was in the '80s, mid '80s, and you flew to New York, and you were on, you know, Caroline's just the v club in New York, and it, it's it's odd because the TV cameras are there, right there, you know. So you're kinda, it, that's an odd feeling. But he he was telling me he was giving me tips. He said, hey, you know, don't don't worry. He said, don't worry, of uh, joke bombs. He says they're going to overdub any laughs in there anyway. <laughs> you know, he says so they always do, right? and uh
0: so you'd never done tv before then before that really yeah so that was the first time yeah yeah so again that's that's pretty you know you 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 were climbing the ladder pretty pretty swiftly there that must have been very validating i mean because you know a lot of people start this stuff and it just never goes anywhere you were actually hitting things you know you were hitting you were hitting uh yeah but then i was
1: an idiot and i didn't move i should have moved to california i had a couple agents that wanted to represent me and i didn't really know that whole part of it and and I just, you know, plus I was dating somebody and you had to put, you know, pay the bills and the car bills and everything. Right, and, right. And so Life. I was a road comic. That's what they call road comic. Oh, okay. So you either made that choice. Or you're going to be a road comic where you got paid and you went all over the country and you did these clubs or you went to New York or L.A. And then you just hung out there doing your, you know, waiter, as job as a waiter or whatever and then got your little break when you went out to the clubs. Mm-hmm. And. I guess I just didn't want to be in one, one place because I did that for a couple of years. I was in Orlando when I was at that club and I was coming there every week and it got to be to me monotonous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it forced you to come up with new jokes, but to me, it was just kind of monotony where I really did like being a road comic. I like driving. And again, that was influenced by my parents because every year they'd go on a three week vacation and my dad liked to camp. So we, we went to every state except two. In the United States. Which two? <laughs> uh, Maine and uh, the other one up there by Maine, I think Delaware. Maybe those two. This, oh, okay. That was the only two we didn't so go So the to. far corner of uh, New England yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, that's the only two we didn't go see. Huh.
0: Wow. Well, that's uh, – so So, you, 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 when did you end up in Michigan then, I guess? That's what I'll go okay, next. Okay. Well, you're...
1: then I was down in Florida and uh, I went to the Cayman Islands. And I was, as a matter of fact, I'm going back. What an odd – uh, I just got a text from – I worked this club in the Cayman Islands, and it was a wonderful place. And um, so I was there, and I met my wife in the audience and then ended up, uh, you know, dating her. And then when I, I, I saw her, we were, got engaged. Well, the Cayman Islands called me up, and they said somebody had saw me again and said, hey, we'd like you to come here to be our entertainment director at this huge resort. And I said, okay, and I so on well, one condition if I can do my comedy show every weekend. And they said, sure. And then so I went there, was the entertainment director, and did my comedy show. And then I quit at the end of that, that year. Really? Yeah, Good we got love. married there and I was gonna wanted to stay, but she couldn't get a job there. So I just came back to the States. But the lady who originally had that club just called me out of the blue two weeks ago and said, Hey, I'm opening a club back up. Would no, you be a grand I? opening week? And I said, yes, I would love to. So when's that going to be then? That's going to be November 27th
0: coming uh, up. Oh, wow. So next next week or the w- two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. weeks. Yeah, wow. we heading back to the Cayman Islands. So how long are you going to be down there then? Two weeks. Just two weeks? Yeah. Nice. Well, that's some full circle type stuff there, man. Yeah, Pretty-
1: yeah. I was very happy about that.
0: Yeah. Um, so... How how often do you work now like I mean cuz you're pretty busy like with you know I remember when you uh when I was doing the slaughterhouse even you were you were gone a couple yeah, weekends cuz yeah. you were traveling
1: so Yeah I mean I I used to work I, think I used to work every week out of the year mm-hmm. um and then when I got married she didn't want me on the road as much so I, I kind of quit being do it as much I still did it and then we ended up getting divorced 4 years ago and that's when I had great friends up here in Michigan. They said, Ken, come up here. You know, we'd love to have you. Plus, I was working the haunted house. He says, that way you'll be here. He says, I got other projects for you. And I said, why not? And so I came back here. So I had to start getting back out on the road more, doing more comedy. Right. Yeah.
0: But you've been doing this for a living then. Like, this is your job. Yeah. Like, for, for, I mean, 20 years, it sounds like, something like that? Uh, yeah,
1: more like 30, I guess. 30? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I guess I, cause I, yeah. Yeah, the 80s were 30 years
0: yeah. ago. Um. But uh, so you weren't living in Michigan then, when uh, you were doing the slaughterhouse back when I I first no I would come it.
1: up here every year, um, probably in August, mm-hmm. and at the end of August and I'd spent all of August and September twenty four seven out there fixing it up and then running it for the month of October. And how did you how did you first get
0: involved with that? How did that come about? Uh, it
1: was another comic, Jeff Brand, and we worked for this huge booker in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina have talent. And he made all his money by having a, con- uh, a haunted house there in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And we went to it. It was fantastic. And he made boatloads of money. And that's how he ended up buying the agency and became the one of the top agents in the country.
0: He would just do it once a year and he would make all his money Yes, in, a in lot October. of money, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God.
1: Yeah, wow. so we thought we'd open one in uh, Detroit. So we did. But it was the year of nine eleven, mm. And we called it Slaughterhouse. Well... People protested because we had the name, and they thought we were making fun of. Yeah, that was like the worst timing there. Yeah, but like bad, see, bad but, but you had to get that name a year ahead of time, or at least six months ahead of time, so mm. we had no idea. Right, right. And and it was just a weird year, you know. And it was right after that 9-11 happened, why we were building it, and people didn't come out. It was a weird time in the country. And so we ended up going, uh, we didn't make a that much money, actually. We lost money. So then, my buddy Rick, who lives in Fowlerville, where the haunted house is now, he came out to it and he liked it. And we were going bankrupt, and he says, "Well, I'll buy all this stuff from you, kind of like for half price." He's I don't know what I'll do with it, but he loved Halloween, and he always did a uh, corn maze in his in on his on his property. So he bought all the stuff, and and I was there, and I says, "Hey, why don't we open a haunted house here?" And he goes, yeah, I got an idea. And this was his idea. He says, let's take some old trailers because you don't own a trailer park. He says, just gut them, design something, and put a haunted house in. And so that's what Jeff and I did Is we designed the haunted house and put the three trailers out there in the woods. Yeah, and people came, And it was fantastic. It was creepy as hell.
0: Yeah, I was wondering,
1: That's a because I
0: I always wonder where the hell did these come from? is because yeah. it was kind of random just to have these. Tra- my first yeah. uh, my first year I was in one of those trailers. Right. That was my that was where my skit was. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that was how it started. And that was that. I mean, you have to admit that was pretty creepy because the ceilings were so low. Yeah, and you didn't have any. Uh, there wasn't any rules as far as where to put the doorways, how big the doorways had to be. Because it was a trailer and you didn't have to have any fire suppression or anything like that. So. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, so, all right. We got so much to talk
0: about now. Yeah, I, I got a sure. lot
1: of sex. I said
0: Um So that's, the, well, where was, the, before we move
1: on, where was the slaughterhouse originally then? So,
0: because it wasn't that's, in Fowlerville. That's where it was. Oh, wasn't? Oh, in, no. Yeah.
1: Originally, it was in Rochester Hills. Oh, okay. Okay. And this guy gave us a lease for three years in an old <laughs> warehouse. But once, yeah, after we ran the season, he was pissed about the name slaughterhouse too. Mm. And he told us get the hell out. So he broke the lease. Oh, made us leave, and then we had to tear it all down. Which we just put, you know, forty thousand dollars in the building the damn thing, and we right. had to trash it and throw it out. So,
0: well, thank God Rick came along then, because yeah, exactly. it's been there ever since. Yeah, it's going yeah. on twenty years. Now, yeah, and he's so. a
1: godsend, and and then and, and then it developed from there because it was just the haunted house. Then it became. A haunted field, mm-hmm. and then it became a haunted hayride, and then it became an escape room, and now we have 82 actors out there, and it's yeah. a lot to watch over.
0: Yeah, it is. So uh, so how long do you see yourself doing that then? Like, I mean, for... Uh,
1: probably just yeah. a, a few more years, I think. I'm, it's the 16th season for me, mm-hmm. and, and there's years that I... I dread doing it. <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah. years that I'm really into doing it. This year's one of the years I was really into doing it because uh, of my leg. I just wanted to get, you know, get back and do something, and uh, so it was fun. I, you know, I to me, I thought it was the best it's ever been this year. Really? Yes. No kidding. I thought the acting, all the timing, you know, all the the bits and stuff I thought of and other people thought of were just spot on. You know, mm-hmm. I thought it was just great.
0: Yeah, it was. A, it was definitely a blast, man. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so why don't you talk about your leg then? Because that was you mentioned you
1: just had your knee replaced. Uh, well, I I had a I didn't know uh, I had torn my ligament being an athlete. So I tore in a in a fraternity softball game. Well, I, I actually tore the cartilage, mm-hmm. and then years later I was going up to dunk a ball. And and few people out there, I'm only five nine. So. <laughs> I had some hops for being a 5'9 white guy. I could dunk a basketball. so uh, And I came down, and, and I think I tore the ligaments, but they said I'd sprained my knee. Because now when I recently went in to get the knee replacement surgery because it was hurting so bad, he told me afterwards, he goes, I don't know when you did this, but we couldn't find your ACL. He said it was disintegrated. Yeah. They straight up couldn't find it. That's crazy. Yeah, he crazy. said it was, it was just gone. He said, you must have tore this a long time ago. How were you able to, like... Well, because Walk. I work out all the time. Oh. Okay. And so I built up all matter of fact, that's what the problem of the surgery was. It was supposed to take two and a half hours and it took another hour and a half because he says my muscles were so tight he couldn't get the knee socket thing in there. So he said he had to kept stretching it every five minutes and stretching it, stretching it to finally get it in. Oh my God. I didn't know. But so, and this was just this past summer, you said. Yeah, right? four months ago. Oh my God. And the weird thing is is so I, I get out of bed. Well, I, you know, I, I was last surgery day, 6.30, I go to bed about 10.30, and I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, and I feel the sensation of wetness, and I look down, and I'm covered in blood. Oh, my God. Yeah, they had a tube, and uh, they put it in your knee because they didn't want it to blow up, so it was supposed to drain the excess blood and fluid, but they didn't hook it up to the drain bag very good, so it was just spurting blood on me all night. Holy shit. I know, but I'm so drugged up, I'm looking down going, well, I don't... I think it's my time of month. Why is this going?
0: <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of yeah. material
1: there, right? Well, yeah, so then the, the lady comes, the nurse comes in, and she's, oh, my God, she's freaking out. She calls for two more nurses because the bed's a bloody mess, so they're changing the bed, and she stands me up on a walker, but she rips my gown off, so I'm totally naked in front of it's these And fucking three. covered in blood and everything. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. God. But I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, because I'm stoned. I'm going, this is the fantasy I always had. Because <laughs> <laughs> in my fantasy, I'm thinking, you know, I'm stoned with three hot chicks dressed as nurses, and it's here. and covered in blood. Yeah, Yeah. well, but that's the part I couldn't get excited because I thought in my original fantasy, I don't remember leaning on a walker with an IV covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that went away quickly. And then the next morning I I woke up, and she wanted to give me a a, – well, she says, you got to go pee, and I couldn't pee. So she says, well, we're going to have to – well, I'm going to find a nurse that deals with catheters – and I'm like, but I'm Presbyterian, and she's like, she's like, no, 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 catheters. And I'm like, oh no, I don't, I don't think I need that. And she's yeah. So she comes back and she tells me that she's going to have to do it. Well, we had a conversation because I was a comic, and she said she didn't like the president because she was a lesbian. So this is part of the story. So she goes, well, I'm going to do this, but I'm in my head, I'm thinking, well, this isn't good. She's going to work on equipment she's never seen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I got nothing against lesbians. They like the same thing I like. <laughs> <And> <laughs> matter of fact, if there's any out there listening, uh, you're looking for a wing chick. I'm your gal. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> see me after the show. So uh, sure enough, it goes south. She's putting that tube in there, and I'm screaming and screaming. And she's like, "Oh oh!" And then she just yanks it out. And I'm like, "What the hell?" And she looks at me in the eye and she goes, "I'm sorry. I'm going to go get the catheter that has lubricant on it." Oh. And I said, no, you're not. You're (laughs) going to go get a police officer. Because I think what you just did to me was a felony. Yeah. And based on what you tell me, also a hate crime. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd have been better off getting a stripper from Deja Vu and giving her 20 bucks. She'd probably just insert it with her mouth, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And she would have been uh, more gentle, too. Yeah, I wouldn't even know what it was there.
1: So, and then I I got discharged at noon, and they came in, and they gave me 50 hydrocodone, like the good ones, mm-hmm. the ones that people die. <laughs> and uh, she goes, she looks at me. She goes, oh, Mr. Evans, now here's your medicine. We gave you way too many. But the thing is you can't give any to your friends. There's going to be some left over. You can't keep them. You need to bring them back to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And I just laughed. <laughs> and I says, oh, no, I'm two miles from a trailer park, and I have medical bills to pay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so – so how's your knee now how's your <laughs> how's i worked going? hard i mean yeah.
1: being an athlete I, you know that's my i, I work hard out and mm-hmm. uh getting it done so it's it's pretty good mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I go to the gym three times a week probably for four months now so. really
0: i because i couldn't tell like you weren't limping or anything yeah. when i saw you this 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 past september i mean that was only a couple months out from, yeah. from all that so that's yeah that's uh that's that's really good um well, uh, let's let's go. First of all, could you would you mind switching mics? I think that we're getting some uh, some static on your mic there. Oh, okay. If you just uh, take a seat on the the next one, and that is that is six seven. So we're gonna bring seven up.
1: Six seven. There. We oh go. wow, that even sounds better to me yeah. in my helmet. I don't sound like I sounded like I was homeless or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So we'll get back to comedy then because um, I, I, I got some kind of general questions about like sure. the first thing is like what's something that people don't realize about stand-up?
1: Um, the business aspect of it. You got to deal with all the bookers. I mean being on stage, that's a fun part mm-hmm. and that's what I love doing. It's the getting the bookings and stuff and dealing with it. the business side of It's kind of a pain in the ass mm-hmm. or the people you deal with. To me, anyway, uh, and, yeah. and, and other people probably don't realize is how much you have to travel. You do, especially if you're going to be a road comic, Right, you do a lot of driving. Mm-hmm. Now, I like driving because my parents had that, uh, you know, that's what we did every summer. Yeah, I know. Like you had been to, uh, miles, been to so. 40, 48,
0: 48 states. So, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, so I was used to driving and I liked it. So to me, it was like kind of peaceful and I could think of comedy and, and bits and so I enjoyed that, but not everybody does. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you ever – you only drive, huh? You don't fly or
1: – I used to. I mean I, I did both. Mm-hmm. did both. Uh, one year I, went, I read the book um, – oh the famous book where the the guy crossed the country by Kerouac. On the road? Uh, Jed yeah, by Jack Kerouac. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll do that. I'm going to drive across the country. So I booked myself from Florida in comedy clubs all the way up to northern California Oh, <laughs> and then back. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and so what I, was that like? It was cool. I mean you could see – there that's the thing you don't realize about the united states there's different pockets yeah and they laugh at different things southern people laugh at different things than northern people and california people laugh at different things than new york people <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh
0: well so, so that actually kind of goes into my next question then cuz do you do you write jokes like specific jokes like out or do you like get just get on stage and just start talking or is it a mixture of the It's two? a
1: mixture for me. Um I write jokes out every year I have a notebook and this is how I did it is I had to write 10 jokes a month for myself. So 120 for the year. Mm-hmm. Regardless. And sometimes it would go to 200, maybe 250, but always at least you know try to do 10. Not that they're all going to work, but at least try to do, you know, 10. Yeah. And I mostly that would come to me it would just come to you. You know, I would would sit there and hear something or read something. It would just f- flow into my mind and then I would kind of riff in my head and then I'd start writing down what I thought.
0: So how would you tailor that then to – because you said like Northern California obviously finds stuff that Texas I doesn't find funny. Yeah. I, I you just, didn't really. No, I didn't
1: tailor it to anybody. I just mm-hmm. was me and that's the thing. You have to be just you. Uh-huh. So I went on stage being me but the thing is – like the South would like jokes I did that were probably misogynistic towards women mm-hmm. where California hated those jokes, but then the real clever jokes they loved. They would get uh so it's there was still, something for everybody. Yeah, right? something yeah. for everybody. There's something for everybody in my act. So some jokes that would get applause in in Georgia wouldn't in California, but the jokes that didn't get applause in yeah, you know, they got applause in California didn't in Georgia. So but I had something for everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is to have a, a mixture. The thing is that people like you, uh um people tell me that I'm more like an entertainer uh, entertainer than I am a comic. I am mean, a comic, but they said that it's a you have to experience just my personality being on stage is what they're saying from what I heard. So
0: um so have you I want to get into sort of this. Uh, there's, there's been this talk of like this political correctness thing that's going on because you just mentioned like different parts of the country find different things funny, right? Right. Have you that, run into any of that? Like, a, yeah,
1: but somehow it doesn't affect me as much because when you see, I am brash and I'm not politically correct, mm-hmm. but people think that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> but if there's you some do audience. It right, yeah, then, yeah, some audiences don't buy into it, but for the most part, they buy into it. They go. I I just did a show this week in Holly, and the guy says, He says, I don't know. He says, You were just hilarious because I didn't know how you did it because all the political correctness because you were brash as hell. But he goes, It was one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. And and he goes, And I like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and that's the thing. That's just who I am. So I'm just telling the truth. I'm up there telling the truth about shit that happened to me and my opinions. So it's not like I'm putting on this big facade. I'm telling you how the world is, and it's. What I'm saying is the truth, so it's not like you can argue against it. Some people get offended, maybe, but well, that's the thing. It's like I think that the honesty is like
0: what is right. how you, is sort of the the narrow doorway that you go through in order to get to to avoid any sort of uh you know vilification or anything. It,
1: well, and and I take chances. I mean, I I don't like Trump, but so I do these jokes about him. But everybody even the Trumpsters like the jokes because they think I'm. They don't think I'm making fun of them. They think I'm just doing this character. But in a way, I am making fun of them. Right. But they love it. I both, that's what some comics go. I can't believe you did get away with that because that is what's so dividing is you pick a side. Exactly. And, yeah. And, and like I'll do one of the, the jokes that everybody says, now that I'm president, people say to me, Donald, Donald, walls don't work. Folks, I was recently in China. China. They have a fantastic wall there. Great wall. Great wall. <laughs> And they said, Donald, walls don't work. Folks, do you know how many illegal Mexicans are in China? Zero, folks. (laughs) Zero. Walls work. Matter of fact, I'm going to have a specially engineered wall. I'm going to put four walls around Mexico, put a giant roof over it, make it a giant Walmart. (laughs) Taco Bell's paying for this whole thing, folks. I'm going to put Rosie O'Donnell on the other side of that wall when we get done, folks. She says she's Irish. Hey, I know a fat Mexican when I see one. (laughs)
0: Well, you, first of all, how long did it take you? Because that voice is pretty accurate. So how long did it take you to get I, that down? I
1: started doing impressions. Like I guess I didn't tell you that. But yeah. I, I started doing impressions. That's how I started doing comedy. Uh-huh. And, and so you just kind of developed a system for yourself? Yeah, like in my practicing. head, I hear it, And I would just practice over and over the voices. And some I could do and some I couldn't. Mm-hmm. But then Daryl Hammond came along. I was going to say, yeah, he played Trump. there was Trump. two yeah. of us doing impressions. Now, he did impressions probably a little bit better than me. But mine were funnier, I will say that, because he he would just do the impression and then throw his hands out and then get applause. Where I would do the impression, but it was funny. Uh Uh, He gradually became funnier, but he was really good at the impressions. So he got points for accuracy and you got points for for the actual comedy. yeah, 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 and some of mine were more accurate, you know, just that's how it is. But, uh, I, but I get tired of people telling me all the time that they like this character, like that character, like this character. I just wanted to be funny. That's what I, so I stopped doing them. And then, except now I, I throw something in, like I, I learned to do the Trump one and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, do some other ones, you know.
0: Well, when you walked in, your I should say your shirt says has got a picture of clown of a uh, Trump with clown makeup on. It. it says "Elected Clown." uh – what is it? expect the circus? Expect the circus. How does that play out in Fowlerville too? Because Fowlerville, I know, is is Trump country. Oh, right? they
1: don't. You know, everybody is uh, Trump country out there. But they know I don't fit in out there as much. But they they like me. People know me, like me, mm-hmm. and they respect me. But I, I I tell them the reasons why, and I make. F- Fun of him and why, and they, over the years they've or two years they've agreed with me. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, but the, as time goes on, right? Yeah, because I point out logically what he just lies, you know, yeah. and I'll point yeah. out the lies. That's what pisses me off. That's you know, I, I, he's done some good business things. He has some good business acumen, and but it's just the lies. Just to watch him on TV, and I go, you're lying, you know. Yeah. And he's yeah. just sitting there, and I think that's what get pisses Americans off, because a lot of the educated people this last midterms didn't vote for him because they know he's lying. Yeah. Well,
0: it's such a blatant thing too, like that doctored video that came out the other week. Yeah. Like that was the first time like, dude, that's some dystopian shit there. And and can you imagine if we didn't have the internet and like, if somebody had put something out like that, I mean, maybe they did and we just don't know it, you know, but uh, you know, cause you can go in and you can compare the two videos side by side. Using oh yeah, the internet I did. You know, did. Yeah. you know, it's, it's fake, but it's like, if it wasn't for the internet, he could be, you know, the the, the actual dictator that everybody is, is scared of him becoming. you Yeah, know? Uh, well,
1: there's stuff going on easier. right now about, uh, you know, not letting a cost in there. That's the First Amendment. Yeah. You know, and uh, the other bullshit about, you know, you're just going to appoint this guy as a attorney general. You can't do that. It, it says in the Constitution you're, you can't have a direct – you can't be directly appointed by the president unless – the Congress has vetted you. Because that's like me being president going, Hey Timmy, you want to be my A G? Yeah, you know, exactly. You don't know anything about this guy. You don't know if he's a business partner or anything like that. You just can't do that. And yeah. I think they're going to find that that's that's the how the ruling's gonna go. Yeah, Unless you get one of these dumbasses that you know he just put in the office uh, for Supreme Court.
0: Yeah. Uh, well we'll see. I mean I think he I think that press conference the other day was him throwing a fit because he knows that the Things are going to get way more difficult now that he doesn't have both houses. So it's going to be going to be interesting. I didn't. I don't. We don't need to spend too much time on him. fucking every conversation I have, man. Every conversation (laughs) I have fucking gravitates to the guy. It's crazy. I've known who he is since I was like since Home Alone two. You know, I was I was like six years old when that came out, and I remember seeing him in the freaking Plaza Hotel scene and. I never had any interest in him, but he just keeps becoming more prevalent. So yeah. anyway. Um, and you're brought
1: to watching that going. He probably had to take like 500 times going, Donald, this is the line. You keep lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. down the hall and to the left. <laughs> I want to do it my way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, t- can you tell me uh, – I got two, two questions here on the same sure. sort of – Tell me about a time you killed and then tell me about a time you bombed.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, when I opened for uh, Bruce Hornsby in The Range, and that was in front of like 6,000 people. And what's so incredible, on stage and this huge spotlight comes at you. And you tell a joke and you can't see anybody and you just hear this wall of laughter. Right. And I literally had goosebumps like during several jokes. I never had that happen before. And so I, I, I did that. It just being in those that that large of a crowd and to hear that kind of laughter, and it's just out of it's just like coming out of the darkness, right? And it hitting you.
0: And the, the the noise. I remember who the hell was it? Jesse Eisenberg, the actor. He was talking about being in front of a crowd that size. I think he was talking about Comic Con, and he says like on a cellular level, the only thing you can compare that to is like a like an army or something you know like that's you know in your lizard brain or whatever yeah, like that's know, this the closest thing is giant all giant
1: roar yeah
0: yeah but for you it's a positive thing so that, yeah. you know that's it's this ultimate dopamine rush you know yeah
1: oh yeah i mean literally I, I literally got goosebumps and that had never happened before so that was like you know the ultimate there mm-hmm. And I, I think when you bomb, that's also the, the absolute <laughs> it's worst.
0: Also goosebumps, but for different reasons. Oh, it's just
1: yeah. you can't wait to get off stage. Your your mind's like a computer. You're going, where can I go? You know, Should I try this, Should I try that, and you're just going through the rolodex in your head trying to get them. And and there's been shows where I, you know I didn't, and uh, and I didn't. The you know owner didn't want me back, and rightfully so. You know, and there's a couple times it's also the audience's fault or the setup the way it is. I remember they asked me to go do a comedy show in South Carolina at this chicken wing place. And it was Duke playing North Carolina basketball. They were ranked one and two. And it left the TVs on while I was on stage. So there was
0: nothing you could do. Yeah.
1: And then the spotlight was broke. So it only looked – it faced the stairs. I wasn't on the stage. They told me to stand by the stairs that went up. So you're not even in the center of the stage. And then they didn't put any – Chairs or tables in front of me. They left that all blank for the dance floor. So you had this moat. You had everybody watching TV. <laughs> and I'm not even on the stage. I'm on the stairs. And I had to stand there for 50 minutes and tell jokes. And, uh, like, maybe 10 people paid attention in yeah. a room full of 200.
0: Set, set you up for failure there. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, yeah, it well, sucked. Well, when you're bombing, though, like, unless it's a show like that where it's pretty much, like, it's almost funny, like, how the conditions for it are pretty much... It's like there's no way this is gonna work. But if if another another situation, you said your mind's like a computer. Like, are you one of those guys who will try and fix it, or are you one of those guys who are like, fuck these people? I'm gonna be as offensive, or I'm just gonna now I'm just gonna try and piss them off. You know, Uh, both. I've done
1: both. Mm -hmm. Um, You kind of gauge it depending on. I acknowledge it, and then I sometimes I've chastised the audience. You know, like you know. I'll just I, – I say stuff that out, comes out of my mouth I'm surprised at. If people heckle me, I'm like the worst person to heckle because I say some wild shit. That's, That's a
0: good <laughs> tell me about a time you got heckled. Like what's a
1: really good time you got heckled? Uh, really There's one guy was in Chicago and he he was just – I have a great show. And then he would chime in because he was fucked up mm. at the wrong times, you know, and he'd say something. And and so I, I said a couple things to him. So he called me a fag. And I says, well, you ought to know. He says, what'd you say? I says, you ought to know. I says, you know, you suck my cock before the show <laughs> in the bathroom. And he stood up. He goes, what'd you say? I go, you got a little cum right here on your face. <laughs> and so he came towards the stage and he took his shirt off. And he I'm going to oh, kick man. your ass. Well, I work out. So I took my shirt off. And I go, dude, look, I work out too. And I picked up the <laughs> mic stand. I says, come on, fucker. And then. So then these women all rushed up on stage and wanted to have a picture with me. So it kind of diluted the so all of a sudden, yeah. situation. And then they threw him out.
0: That's like the worst possible way to lose that, too. Like he goes up wanting to fight you. You take your shirt off. The dude on stage takes his shirt off, and a bunch of women run up. That's the first thing that happened. You can't fight him because now he's got to deal with these women. So yeah. Wanting
1: a picture with him. Yeah. That's but, like
0: the ultimate rejection there.
1: Yeah. That was like the only time I wanted to hit some. Well, not only time, but you know. You came the
0: closest there? Yeah,
1: and then I I learned not to say the C word to women on stage. Every time I did, I got a drink in my face. Uh, But I think every time I did, they deserved to be called that. One girl threw a – she didn't like a joke, so she threw a chunk of ice at me and it hit me in the cheek Uh and it was sharp and it cut my face. I had a line – an inch line of blood dripping down my cheek. I'm on stage doing comedy, entertaining 200 people. Yeah, you, you throw you a chunk ice, and now one. I'm bleeding. Yeah. So I called her the c-word, you know, and then she she went, ran up on stage and threw a
0: drink in my face. Yeah, that's well. Uh, who was it that I think it was? Well, Chris Rock said nobody's above an ass whooping, but another way of putting that is nobody's above getting called out on their shit. I think is what. Yeah, you, you know. So yeah, if somebody makes you bleed, I would say that. Uh, that's, yeah, you, know, yeah, you don't expect... you can probably get away with it there.
1: And know? then I and yeah, and I had another couple um I, I did this joke that I did it at, at urban clubs all the time as my biggest joke for urban audiences. So I did it It was only black couple in the crowd. And the guy took offense or his wife took offense to so it. She threw a wine glass at me mm. and it hit me in the chest, broke on my sternum and cut my chest. I'm bleeding through this white shirt. Oh my god. And I'm like, she must have really thrown it. Yeah, and I go, "Who the fuck did that?" And uh, she goes, I did, you racist? And I'm like, racist? <laughs> I go, well, what was racist? I was like, confused, you know? I still mean, this day, I, I don't figure out what even was racist about that joke because I've asked other black comics. They go, oh, man, that's funny, you know? And so this, th- her husband got up and hit this dude, I'm not shitting, he's like 6'5, 250, 260, not an ounce of fat on him. And even the bouncers wouldn't stop him. Oh, so he's shit. chasing me around the bar like the Keystone <laughs> Cops. I literally—nobody would help me, and I and he was so big, and he's like, I'm going to beat your ass, you know. Finally, the cops got there, and I had just started the show. Oh, my God. So did you
0: have still have the mic, and you're just running no, around No, no, I dropped and, the mic because uh-huh. he
1: was coming towards the stage, so I ran behind—the bar was a square. Oh, okay. Uh, to the left of the I stage. I pictured
0: you, like, still telling jokes as you're running
1: around the Oh, bar no. Everybody chased. was, like, screaming, and nobody would do anything because this guy was so huge. And then— uh and I kept on saying, "What did I say? What I... He goes, you know what you said. you He's the racist." I go, "I did. I no, I don't. You know, and uh, I could do the joke for you. It's not no, sure. Go for well, it, man. It's well, the right, internet. So, so yeah. So I got to hear it now. <laughs> yeah. Everybody out there's going. Well, what was the joke? So this is true. It's right? so basically true. I come home. I love sports. I'm watching. Uh, I turn on uh, ESPN, uh-huh. and these kids are doing the spelling bee, and I'm like, "What, is, what the hell is it?" This isn't the right channel. But I see the scores running down on the bottom of the script there. And I go, wow. And I flip it back. And i flip it. sure enough, it's the right channel. But I'm mesmerized, these, these little 11 year old kids spelling words I can't even pronounce, nor do I know what they mean. Uh-huh. And so I watched it for like a half hour, and they do it every year. They still do it. It's called the Scripps National Spelling Bee. And it's on ESPN of all channels, right? Yeah, yeah huh. they still do it. And, um, uh, so my joke was, I just, you know, growing up in Chicago, we didn't talk like that, nor did I know words like that. They should have had, like, the urban street slang spelling be where I came from. You know, that would be a whole different view. You could have Chris Rock as the house simpsey. Welcome to the <laughs> urban street slang spelling bee. Tonight's first contestant from Caucasian Acres High School. Little Johnny Krause. You would be motherfucker. <laughs> motherfucker. M O T H E R. F U C K E R, little cracker, please. M U T H A F U C K A, take a seat, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> and then I got a glass, don't have me. Oh my god! Yeah, and that's not even
0: that bad. There's, no, there's no. What? In fact, it's not bad at all. That's, yeah, that's that's funny. I could see Chris Rock telling that joke. To be yeah, honest with yeah. You. So, yeah.
1: so I don't. I still this day I didn't understand. When why.
0: was that? Just out of
1: curiosity, like. Was that a
0: while ago or was that Yeah, recently? probably
1: 15 years ago. Okay, so like early 2000s then. Well, and then afterwards, you know, then the weirdest thing is that the cops asked me, "This is would you want to press charges? I go, how long did that take? It's probably a half hour. I go, I just started the show. I got to go back on stage. There was 200 people in there. Right. So I went back on stage and, and it brought tears to my eyes actually. They... Everybody stood up and gave me a standing ovation. Really? Yeah. So they started. Yeah. So they waited for you. They waited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody waited. and uh, But I didn't ask them to stand up or not. They just did that. Uh-huh. And then they started sending me up drinks. Well, I had so many drinks. I probably had 20 drinks on one table. They're just being nice. And I just started. Yeah, I go, well, at least you didn't throw these at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And then I started handing them out to people in the audience. And this show went great after that. But I was razzled the whole show because that's a weird. I'm here to entertain and I get. I'm bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: Sounds like you've been, you've, you've bled for your, uh, for your act a couple times.
1: Ice to the cheek, wine glass to the yeah, chest. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Just, uh, chased around the bar. So did the guy end up getting arrested then? No, because it? I
1: didn't press charges. They just threw him out and oh, they left. Okay. But then some people, a like two, People that worked with him said that he was like that at work. They wanted to fire him, but he's, everything was a racist thing to him. Yeah. So they right. were afraid of firing him because they thought he'd bring up all this racist shit. And they go, "He's just that way. Everything's racist. You know, why is the chair black? You know? <laughs> it's just leather. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know what it
0: is. know <laughs> Well, um, hey man, we're 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 uh, we're closing in on the
1: hour here. No so, uh, do, do, went fast.
0: do you have yeah? Uh, do you have uh, anything you want to promote or any like social media people can find you on anything like that?
1: Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm working on getting another website uh, going up, so look for that. It'd be probably KenEvansComedy dot okay? Like that, and we just Ken Evans at Facebook. Yeah, Ken Evans on Facebook, and I'll be playing some venues here in Michigan coming up.
0: Uh, what what are some of them? Well, so, I just was
1: in Holly Hotel. I was just in in um down in Ann Arbor. So you miss those? Uh. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, because I, I, you're right. I've never seen you actually on stage, so it'd be cool to to, to come yeah. out and see it. You. I know you're going to be in the Cayman Islands for a couple weeks. Yeah, a couple but, of weeks,
1: uh, and then when I come back, uh, I'll be. Uh, it's on my Facebook. I put it on there. Okay, but uh, yeah, I'll be doing a couple clips. Yeah, everybody says well, usually they go. Oh, you're kind of quiet and intellectual off stage, and then you come on stage. It's like watching two different people. I'm like, yeah, I guess it. It is. That's your other alter ego. I mean, I'm both those people. Mm-hmm. That's how I got started because I always told stories about shit that happened. I mean, my friends always laughed. And they're like, oh, man, you ought to be on stage, you know, these stories. But I like telling the stories. And they were based on stuff that happened to me. And, uh, and if you come to the show, you know, a lot of stuff is stuff that happened to me.
0: Cool. Well, I'll check it out on Facebook and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll look for it. Oh. Yeah, there's a little
1: video on there too. Okay. So you see what I'm talking about.
0: Um well thanks so much for coming on, man. I wish we had more time. These these yeah. an hour is just never enough to to have these yeah. discussions. But well, uh,
1: if people are, are calling in or writing down throwing me back, I'll come back. All right. Talk sweet. about some more stuff.
0: Yeah, sweet. Well we'll plan on that then. Um I uh I will be back in here next week, day before Thanksgiving. My cousins will be back. Uh and I have no idea what we're gonna talk about, so that'll be interesting. Um but uh yeah, so that'll be That'll be the next time I'm in here. So, Ken, again, thanks so much for uh, for coming out. Oh,
1: no problem. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's good to kind of go down memory lane. You know? Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. And thanks
0: again for hiring me, man. This 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 past uh, this yeah, past well, October, you know, I never thought I'd get to do that again, and it was such a fucking
1: blast. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'm, next year, hey, you want to come out? If if my if my schedule allows it, yeah. I will be there, man. I yeah. will be there. I Always try to come up with new things. So. Well, who knows what you'll be playing next year. So yeah, you know, yeah. I'll do Colonel Sanders, Sanders again. I'll do whatever, man. Yeah, so. maybe we'll get to do some demented uh, progressive insurance agent or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do another uh, corporate mascot. Yeah. There we go. Um,
0: so anyway, everybody have a, a great week, and uh, I will see you next Wednesday. This has been American Winer on PodcastDetroit.com.